You are going to meet a man named Fuzz Kitto today. He says that it's entirely possible that when you fill your trolley at the supermarket, when you shop online, when you tap and go, you're financially supporting slavery. Yes, slavery in the 21st century. So what is going on and what can we do about it? This is Signs of the Times Radio with Kent Kingston. Hey, it's fantastic to have you with us for another week of Signs of the Times Radio. Now, get ready, dear listener, because you are in for a massage for the soul with the deep and dulcet tones of Fuzz Kizzo from Be Slavery Free. How are you, Fuzz? Doing well, thanks, Ken. Excellent, excellent. Yes, and, and I think our listeners can hear that, that radio, that, those golden tonsils coming out there. <laughs> well practiced, let's say. Well, for a couple of years in radio and, and media and, and speaking and more than anything else, listening to people and talking with people, which is what I love. Wow. And, and, and you ever take the bass part in a barbershop quartet or whatever? The Philharmonic Choir of Sydney, actually. There you go. Mm. Fantastic. So, Yes, people, you, the voice is here, the voice of Fuzz Kitto. <laughs> so, Fuzz, your, your organisation, Be Slavery Free, of, of which you're a co-director, focuses on what's been called modern slavery. I guess when we think about slavery, you know, we think about the transatlantic, you know, slave trade and William Wilberforce and, you know, that sort of stuff, you know, ending that and the you know, African-Americans in the US being freed and, you know, what a great development that was. But modern slavery, like, it's still going on, like, can you explain like, the scale, the severity, what, what that looks like? We have more slaves in the world now than any other point of human history. No in fact, way. we've got more slaves today than the whole transatlantic slave movement put together. So the scale and scope of it has magnified. Certainly that's because of globalism and the size of populations, but mm. it is just uh, its the fastest growing illegal trade in the world and it's the second biggest trade illegal trade in the world next to drugs. Wow. Well, I mean, is this something that is happening in, in developing countries like only, or is this something that impacts, say, a country like Australia? Are there slaves in Australia today? Yes, there are. It's estimated that it could be up to 5,000 to 7,000 slaves in a whole lot of areas. The convictions that have happened have been mainly around the areas of domestic servitude, so working in people's houses, you know, mm-hmm. they, they get in. Most of them have been brought in from overseas for that, uh, but even around Parliament House in the embassies, in sight of Federal Parliament House, mm. there were slaves in the embassies brought in by those embassies to work for nothing and in 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 situations where their freedom was taken away. Wow. Okay. That's that's inconceivable. Yeah. So what what I mean, what industries are are involved? I mean, I guess we have a vision of what sweatshops in Bangladesh like making clothing is is that a part of the picture? That's one of them. But even in Australia, in the fresh produce and the growing our vegetables and our fruit down along the River Murray Basin, that Mildura to Shepparton, mm. it's estimated there that 
People have been brought in to pick that because a lot of Australians don't want to do that hard work for so little money. And mm. this is where it happens in places around the world. Mm. It's where migrant labour is brought in or where there is labour to be done. Most of it is in the area of manufacturing mm-hmm. and in agriculture and aquaculture and fishing. Everybody thinks the sex industry, that comes up again and again. It's probably mm-hmm. only 8 to 10% of slavery around the world. But 70 to 80% of slavery is in the Indo-Asian region. Right. Okay, so just next door to Australia, basically. Our backyard and our, generally our biggest trading partners. Our biggest contact with uh, slavery in Australia, even though it's in Australia, mm-hmm. is the things we buy. Mm-hmm. It's estimated that something like $23 billion worth of slave-produced goods are imported into Australia every year. You're joking. So that's that, our that's big huge. connection. That's our big connection. Yeah. And, and how many, is there an estimation of how many people we're talking about around the world who, who are basically slaves or living in slavery conditions? Conservatively, and this is the Walk Free Foundation and the International Labour Organisation, which is a part of the United Nations, mm. And and I always say guesstimate, estimate, 43 million people in slavery around the world. Goodness, so that's that's nearly double the population of Australia. Exactly right. Man, that's that's inconceivable. So I I guess, look, a a critic would would start asking questions uh, at this point and say, well, you know, slavery is a very loaded word, a, a, a very strong word. Is it the case that is this really slavery or is this just a strict boss? Um, is, is this just perhaps, you know, we have, have expectations of employment conditions in Australia and when they're not met in developing countries, we call that slavery. I mean, is, is there a, a blurry, are there blurred lines there? No, there's not blurred lines, but some of those things often are there because slavery happens in a culture. It's a cultural mm. mindset that mm. says money's more important than people, that says power's more important than the powerless and the people that, you know, don't have a chance to be able to speak up or to do anything about their situation. Mm. It's defined under the United Nations, uh, uh, clearly in, in the Palamo Protocol, which 183 nations are signed up to. Mm-hmm. And that is a person has been taken against their will. They may have been tricked. They may have been coerced. They may have been kidnapped. That's the smallest one. Mm-hmm. Most people uh, are in slavery because they're looking for something better, uh, and most because they're in destitute situations in extreme right. poverty. Their freedom is taken away. They're not allowed to leave. They either because of physical or psychological or threats. Mm-hmm. You know, you leave. I was talking to a person in Thailand from Myanmar and said, you know, you try and leave this. We know where your family are. We'll go and kill your family if you try and leave. Wow. So that's the sort of thing we're talking. We're talking. It's a major crime. Mm, it's a mm. major, major crime. But their freedom is taken away. Their identity papers, their passport or their identity cards are taken away and locked up. And they work for the gain of somebody else and they get no money or very, very little money for what they do. That's the definition. Mm, now, mm. that's a sharp line. Mm. But all those conditions have got to be met. In Australia, we have the Australian Modern Slavery Act. And we were really involved in helping to bring that in in Australia mm, mm. with the NGO, civil society, sort of influences that we could bring in there and we for the first time have defined modern slavery right okay so under the australian crimes act which is a massive piece of 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 work but in that is a section on slavery Mm -hmm. and it defines that there are eight areas of slavery which includes servitude Mm -hmm. sexual servitude Mm -hmm. it's bonded labor 
Now, bonded labour is one of the biggest ones that happens yeah. around the world where someone's saying, I'm going to go overseas, I'm going to go to another place, and they, they have a labour agent, labour agent says, okay, it will cost you 2000 US dollars, which is what happened to a fisherman that I was talking mm-hmm. to from Myanmar. To, what, for, for transport and to organise the placement? Organise the placement, the, the work to set it up, their contacts, mm-hmm. the passport, the transport to get them in there, etc. Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, I haven't got that. I say, oh, we'll give you a loan. You can work it off. You can work it off, but right. most times they got no understanding of what an interest is on that mm-hmm. and so not only keeps the same sometimes it increases and we found people that are third generation enslaved otherwise they're paying off their grandparents debt that's incredible and and i guess when you get there then it's well here's the accommodation and we're providing your meals we'll deduct that from your wages as well exactly so you're going backwards exactly right and that happens mm. in a lot of factories and a lot of places. And it's in so many things that we are connected with, you know, clothes that you wear, mm. the fish that you eat, the mobile phones that we have, mm. and the technology, the electronics. It's in uh, just permeates so many areas of the things that we buy in particular. Mm, wow. So, uh, Fuzz, just talking to you before we kicked off this interview, I, I got the sense that you've worked with with churches sort of previously are you an an ordained minister Um, i'm a minister in the uniting church but i'm a church consultant so i Mm. work right across the board in churches from orthodox catholic through protestant evangelical pentecostal uh, in 46 countries around the world okay all right because i guess i was just trying to get a picture of you know how does someone coming from that you know sort of pastoral clergy background end up you know, in, involved in, in these issues. Can you give us a little bit of an insight into who Fuzz Kitto is and how you came to be here and what your mother was thinking when she called you Fuzz? Yeah, well, she wasn't thinking. And <laughs> Fuzz is kind of one of those names that grew on me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was was before the beard, so my mm-hmm. hair was fuzzy. And mm-hmm. we're at this, doing this little sort of thing on, on the beaches, reaching out to kids. And mm-hmm. someone said, oh, he looks fuzzy. And everyone looked at me and they went, yeah, he does, and that's where it stuck. Oh, right. So okay. I changed it by Depol because everybody called me Fuzz. You're joking. It's so actually your legal name now. It's my legal name now. <laughs> and you so, go. you know, people said, you know, well, it's not really the banks are saying. It's not your legal name. It's not your real name. I said, it is my real name because everybody calls me that. <laughs> so I included it. So Sorry, so, a, a side issue, but, but, but I had to ask. But yeah. yeah, it's a visual one. So for radio, it's always one that you've got to explain. Yeah, <laughs> that one, that's isn't right. it? Yeah. But I, I, had, I, I guess I had three big changes in my life. Mm. One was, you know, when I discovered my spiritual self and Mm -hmm. discovered God and connected with God and and fell in love with Mm. with God and and what God was doing. The second one was falling in love with the other people that that follow God Mm -hmm. uh, in that way and churches, etc. And my, my third big change is when I fell in love with people. Mm. And so we're running a, a little community doing outreach with kids on, on, on the streets and homeless kids, particularly, and, and kids having problems and mental health struggles. And all of a sudden, I thought, now, this is what what the old book talks about, that, mm. that God talks to us about, about it's loving God with everything that we have and, and, mm-hmm. and, and are, but also loving other people as we love ourselves. And all those three go together, and there's three sets of relationships there. There's there's our love and relationship with God. There's our relationship with other people, and mm. there's our relationship with ourselves. Mm-hmm. 
And so those three things came alive. And so when this came up about sort of how do we get people out of the situation, our hero in this is a person called William Wilberforce, mm-hmm. a really strong Christian, mm-hmm. worked with a bunch of other people that were uh, that were Christian ministers mm-hmm. and politicians. He, and he was a, an English parliamentarian in what, what was it, 15th, 16th century? I'm, I'm not so good the, with my The 18th, 19th century. 18th, 19th, okay. For 40 years, he worked as a member of parliament to get the abolition of the slave trade. Mm-hmm. Now, here's what's interesting is mm. slavery was only outlawed in the UK in 2010. What? They worked on it. It was a strategy. They, the group he worked with, first of all known as the Clapham Saints, then got mm-hmm. known as the Clapham Sect, and they mm-hmm. were a, a bunch of 10, 12 people. They were artists. Old man Wedgwood, mm-hmm. you know, Wedgwood Pottery? Oh, yeah. He threw, and it was one of the iconic things, he threw mm-hmm. a plate, you know, threw as in like made a plate mm-hmm. in pottery terms. Oh, yeah, yeah, gotcha. And he had this African man in on his knees in chains, and around the edge was, am I not your brother? Am I not a man? Mm. And it humanized the whole slave trade, which changed the mind of people in England. But they first of all had to stop the slave trade, mm. and then they were going to work on it. Well, that legacy took a long time, way past his life. Mm. But he stuck at it for 40 years mm. in bringing that in. And my old hero, John Wesley, he's, he's my hero, hero, because he not only loved God, he loved people and, and brought in a whole lot of things. Probably that whole movement mm. saved England from a bloody revolution like France was having mm-hmm. and changed the whole thing because he brought in three principles that he got out of the old book as well, mm-hmm. which is earn all you can, mm-hmm. you know, be industrious and creative, yep. save all you can, mm-hmm. think about what you spend your money on mm. and give all you can. Mm. Those three principles gave rise to a middle class in the in, in England mm. and stopped the revolution and absolutely changed the country, which mm. then of course changed the empire. And that this is the often much disparaged, you know, Protestant work ethic basically, isn't it? It is. People talk about today, but there's a lot of good sense uh, at the base of it. Yeah. Okay. The only problem was that the last one dropped off first. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and they got industrious, saved all they could, and didn't necessarily give all they could. Yeah. Okay. So, so how did you get involved like, specifically in this issue of, you know, campaigning against modern slavery? The organisation, it used to be called Stop the Traffic, mm-hmm. and uh, we did the rebranding last year to be slavery free. Mm-hmm. It was, it started off in, in, in the UK mm-hmm. when the, the person who was the senior, the minister person and ran a big charity called Oasis mm-hmm. was in the church that Wilforce used to go to when he was in Parliament in London. Oh, right. Not far from Parliament, across the river from Parliament. Mm-hmm. And he thought, what do you do when in 200 celebration of the act coming? in to stop the slave trade mm-hmm. and and you're the senior you know pastor of, of the church that they used mm-hmm. to meet in mm-hmm. what do we do and found out that Wilberforce got all these signatures for the first time that there was a petition put to parliament mm-hmm. and they rolled this petition out of thousands of signatures across the house of commons wow. and this is what people go oh my gosh people want this mm-hmm. you know we've mm-hmm. got to listen to this he said we're going to do it again 
because there are more slaves now than then, mm-hmm. and we're going to do it at the United Nations. So they rolled that out, and it was it was a campaign. We we're involved with it. They mm-hmm. wanted to get a million signatures. They got a million and a half signatures from around the world. Wow! And they said, "So wow, what are you going to do?" And they thought, "Oh my gosh, we can't stop here." Mm-hmm. So in Australia, it was started up by World Vision and by the Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. World Vision pulled out, had to do their own because they we were working a lot in chocolate campaigning in chocolate. Mm-hmm. And Cadbury's was the biggest supporter of World Vision in West Africa, which is really hard to campaign against mm. your biggest donor. So they started mm. their own. Salvation Army said, oh, how about, you know, some others coming in? So a bunch did. Jewish Women of Australia came in. Trades mm-hmm. Hall came in. Mm-hmm. And both still in part of Be Slavery Free. So then this, this would get going. And my co-director, Carolyn Kiddo, mm-hmm. who's also my best friend, who's also the person I'm married to. Yes. <laughs> so we co-direct this. Uh, she was working for World Vision at the time when mm-hmm. it came in. So in 2010, they said, oh, look, we're wondering. We know you've got a, a passion for this. I was in the UK, met with uh, the people who were working up there, and they said, look, we really need to grow the Australian one. Uh, would you come in and, and consider taking it over and directing it? And we said, well, that's what we love doing. We mm-hmm. love helping mm-hmm. people. We love, you know, having uh, faith is faith is useless and yes unless it's practical mm. i mean hey heck we're australians yeah so right. if it doesn't it doesn't work you know yeah. not, not not interested in pie in the sky mate no pie in the sky after yeah. you die mate no <laughs> and so it's like if it's real it happens okay yeah. it happens it's real let's do something about it so yeah. see, oh, okay so we now build up we've got about 30 organizations and ngos in it together mm. and we just love working together Mm. The only way we're going to stop slavery is together. Together, not just the organisations, but everybody together. Yeah. You know, consumers, people. You know, mostly it's going to be ordinary people that go, this is not right. I want to do something about this. Yeah, yeah. And governments and business. Yeah. So so how do you respond to people who sort of look at you and say, well, you know, a lot of the organisations within these coalitions that you're building are church organisations. Mm. And, and the question is, what are you doing, you know, mucking about with economic policy, with issues of international trade? Maybe as a church, you should just like stay in your lane and, you know, concentrate on, you know, teaching the Bible and maybe doing some local soup kitchens for the poor. Like, why get involved in this political stuff? Is, does a Christian really belong there? I think that's, that it so belongs there. In fact, yeah. the, 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 the part which is so wrong is if they're not there. Right. There's an old thing in, in the way that Christians think, which is called, you know, the wrongdoing of, there's a big word called the attrition. And basically, it's, it's not about just doing things which are wrong. It's mm. also not doing things right that you could have. Mm-hmm. And so Christians really believe it's not just about, oh, it's all the things you're doing bad and, you know, God's going to save you from that. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'd have to say all the major religions of the world mm. are exactly the same on that. Mm-hmm. That it's not just about, oh, you know, it's about you and, you know, you feeling good about yourself and, and maybe sort of, you know, getting a life after death. It's about what we do about the world now. We have a response ability, mm. <laughs> an ability to respond to what's going on around us. Mm-hmm. And uh, my understanding of God is that, you know, God wants to develop us. Mm. as individuals 
and as family groups and as communities and as societies and globally into it's a thing Jesus talked about more than anything else the term that he used the way he expressed it was the kingdom of God in other words what God wants mm. and when we look at what God wants through the Bible scriptures that mm. God wants justice mm. God wants people to be fair and to care for each other and to love each other mm. and so it's about what it means to be a human being mm. and what it means to be a human being is about actually looking out for each other and caring for each other and we find as we work with businesses and we work with a lot of big businesses mm, around the world. Yeah, I want to ask you about that. Yeah. And we work with a lot of organizations and government people and leaders. You know, when, when they get involved with this, and it's a, it's a thing that I often say is, you know, if there's this sense of just something really great about doing good. Mm, mm. And I often say, isn't it good to do good? Mm-hmm. We're working with a big fashion company yeah. and their global headquarters are in Melbourne. We're meeting with them. And one of the things we ask in the fashion industry is that within three to five years, they'll put up traceability on, have traceability of where they're getting their clothes made, where the mm-hmm. material's coming from, where the cotton or materials mm-hmm. making it up come from. And uh, can you put it up on your website so people can see the transparency? It's good. Mm-hmm. And so this group had done it. We met with them at 9am on Thursday morning. At Tuesday night at 10.30pm, mm-hmm. they had put the last of their factories that make the, their clothes up on the website. And they were, they were high-fiving around the office. And they mm-hmm. were still pumped at 9am on the Thursday morning. Because <laughs> fashion people, it, it attracts mm. interesting characters, mm. real personalities. Creative types. Really creative types. And yeah. it comes out in all sorts of ways. And, and they were, hands were flying everywhere and mm. they were excited. And so I said to them, isn't it good to do good? And she stopped and had this rapid eye movement, which is sort of <laughs> one of the signs of, whoa, yeah, that's right. I hadn't thought of that. I said, yeah, but it wasn't just us. Yesterday, in our headquarters here, mm. we, we the whole place changed. The atmosphere changed. We had people ringing up managers from our stores saying, it's so good to be part of a company that's doing the right thing. Mm. And I said to her, yeah, it's something really spiritual about this, isn't it? Mm. And she stopped again, gave the rapid eye movement and go, fuzz, fuzz. It's about the soul, isn't it? It's about the soul. Mm. I said, yeah, we could talk about it. Oh, Fuzz, I want to talk about that. Wow. It's a part of being a human being, mm. which is when we do good, there's something inside of us goes, yeah, this is what we're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the big thing. When, and that's where uh, I think the spiritual comes through. Our spirit within us as a human being connects with and kind of harmonizes. You know, if you know anything about music or play a piano, if you hold the C notes on mm-hmm. a piano down softly and then hit any C note, all the other C notes resonate. Uh-huh. And I think it's something like that. I think when we, when we do these things, which are kind of the sorts of things that, that we understand that God wants us to do, it kind of resonates with everything else in us. Mm-hmm. And it does us good because we're doing good of the one that created good. Yeah. So yeah. it kind of, it all connects together in, in the, in this real sense of, yeah, this is, this is really good stuff. Mm. And it feels good to do good. And yeah. it feels good to do good. Yeah. So, I guess I'm I'm getting the sense, Fuzz, that you know we as unwitting consumers are supporting like enterprises that basically rely on on slavery. Like we we don't even realise we're doing it, but it, it seems like I, what you're saying is we're possibly yeah. doing this every time we you know pull out the credit card. So how can we be 
you know, better informed about that? How can we make better choices when it comes to our purchases? So that just at the very basic level, just as a consumer, we know that we are, I guess, you know, supporting companies, you know, such as the mm. one you mentioned that are doing the right thing, as opposed to, you know, supporting companies that are relying on slavery. And that's a really great question. That's probably one of the questions we get most. It's a key question, isn't it? It's a really key question. Look, here's our change theory. You've got to have a change theory, which is, otherwise, how are you going to bring about change? Yeah. And our change theory is this. Basically, people buy and sell people. Let's call them what they are. They're slave traders. Mm-hmm. They trade in people. They buy and sell people. They do it to make money. It's not like they get their jollies and their rocks off, you know, you know oh, I think I'll go and sell another person. Oh, yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I'm making money. It's a means to an end. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, if that's the means to the end and they sell those people into manufacturing or the sex industry or into agriculture, or, or fishing, etc. Mm. They're doing that. And at the end is we buy those products and sometimes it's not even that the companies know that it's there. Mm. And so our big thing is if we can get consumers to say, hey, companies, do your risk assessment. Mm. Do this around. That's what the Australian Modern Slavery Act is and mm. what the New South Wales Modern mm. Slavery Act is doing even more so, mm-hmm. which we are waiting to get enforced at the yeah, moment. Yeah, I, I want to ask about that. And so if we do that, you see, what happens is they got to check back through. They check with their companies and the others that are being supplied and say, we, we can't accept, we, we can't do. It's not like we're not going to work, we're not going to buy from you anymore. It's can we work with you to help this to stop? Mm. Then what happens is we slave, we, we starve the slave traders. Mm-hmm. So one of the important things we can do as consumers is to ask the companies that we're buying from, what's your risk assessment? Now, under the Modern Slavery Act, the company's over 100 million turnover and in New South Wales will be over mm. 50 million in turnover are going to have to put a modern slavery statement in where they show that they have checked Mm-hmm. That's why we worked so hard in trying to bring that in. Mm-hmm. And it means it's going to be much easier for consumers because it's going to be up and it's going to be publicly known what checks they've made for that to happen. And we're saying support the companies that are doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. So I guess, what, are you saying that right now as a consumer, it's actually difficult to tell sometimes? It often is. It depends on the areas that, well, yes, it is mm-hmm. so often because it's hidden. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a crime. It's mm-hmm. a major crime. They're not going to come out and say, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason why we don't know how many there are because slave traders don't fill out the census forms and they don't put in tax forms because mm. it's all hidden. Yeah, yeah. And so what we try and say to people is, uh, let's work on this. Now, there are groups, Baptist World Aid mm-hmm. uh, Ethical Fashion Guide yep. is fantastic because it checks through 200 companies, it grades them and how good they are doing. Yep. We've got Good On You, which is an app that you can check on a lot of goods, not mm-hmm. everything, but a lot of goods on how well they are doing and checking their slave trade mm. elements within their their supply lines and so there are ways that you can do that through some of these apps our website we've got okay. information on a number of commodities yeah so, um, so so do a bit of research is, is what you're saying do a bit of research i mean these these shoes i'm i'm wearing today um, i actually just bought them last week and it was a menswear shop went in there and actually have that End poverty, you know, Baptist World Aid app on my phone. I looked it up. The shop wasn't actually listed there. But I found it was interesting when I I asked the people at the counter, I said, I noticed a lot of your, everything in in store here says made in China. I said, you know, that's 
fine, you know, I, I don't don't mind that. I understand there's a rationale for that. But when I see the news, I see stories about you know concentration camps in Xinjiang, yep. you know, with Uyghur people yep. being enslaved and tr- being treated badly, and possibly making some of our products. What can you tell me about the origin of of your clothes, where they're coming from in China, what sort of conditions they're being made by? And they were just mystified and didn't know but to their credit they actually then called up like their area manager or whatever and and asked the question and and i thought well this is good even though i didn't really get a straight answer in the end from them if customers repeatedly ask questions like that in in a polite friend i still bought the shoes but if customers keep asking questions like that and showing their concerns in that way that consumer sentiment is surely going to sort of shift the the view at head office and we'll have this increased transparency that you're talking about we'll have these investigations into supply chains you know where do the raw materials come from what's the manufacturing process so that seems to be something we can do it certainly is and yesterday we were on a webinar and we had Mm. uh, a person from uh, one of the ethical fund management groups on Mm. and they said you want to know the people who are really interested in slavery it's the investors because mm. they know that if a company is seen to have slavery in their supply chain, their share price is going to go down. Wow. So the consumers have a phenomenal power here. It's about a culture change. It's not just about getting the right laws in. Mm. Most of all, it's about the mindset, the change of, no, we don't want this, not on our watch. Mm. We mm. can do something about it. We can do it. And then you get the whole sense we're doing good. Yeah, yeah. You know, this this can happen. We're on a um, uh, a call with one of our partners in Hong Kong. Uh, Matt Friedman's been working this area for thirty five years now, wow. and amazing, a good good friend. Just found faith recently. Actually, it's been mm. a really interesting story of his. But he said he had a bunch of high school students come to him after he did a seminar and say, "Well, what can we do as high school students?" He said, mm. "Oh, have you got? It was in the states. Have you got a Walmart?" He said, "Yeah, we've got a Walmart." Well, then you choose every lunchtime at one o'clock one of you go in one after the other and ask you've got many products here do you know if there's slavery in in the supply chain Mm. and the first one went in and and they were polite and said look we're just interested in this because you know we're young and we we care about the future and about the world finding out about the world that's what you do it's called education what what we're supposed to be doing yeah and so i said you know can i speak the manager the house manager do you know he said oh no, so many things here we don't know that. Hmm. The next day they went in and another person went in and asked the manager the same question and said, oh, I don't know, but we're going to check up on this. Mm-hmm. And the next day they came in and said, yeah, well, actually we're checking up on this mm-hmm. and, and we think that there could be some, we want to do something about it. This one and day after day. And by the end, there was a note on the cash register that says Walmart is checking into products here about modern slavery. There you go. So see, this is what can happen. The power of polite questions. The power of polite questions. And of people starting to ask and say, hey, we care. and We want something to happen. We're Australians. You know, we don't want to just hear about it, not just words, not just policy. We want to see what are you doing about mm, this. Mm. And let me say, a lot of companies are starting to really do something about this. That's fantastic. I mean, it's easy, I guess, you know, to find a company that's doing the wrong thing and, and name and shame them. But I noticed just sort of flicking mm. through your website the other day that you have a policy of name and fame. Yeah. What, what, what's what's that about? And can you give us some examples? Yeah, a lot of campaigners have taken the name and shame. You're a company, you got slavery there, and bad, 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 you know, mm-hmm. you're bad. This is all bad. Everything's bad. But what do you do? 
when companies do change. Mm. You know, you don't just say, oh, you did that bad thing once. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a thing called forgiveness and getting on with it mm. and working together. So what we do is when a company does change, we like to name them for what they have done mm-hmm. because people need to know what good looks like. Mm. So one of the people we developed a relationship with, she's Australian, but she was the head of global uh, sustainability, which is one of the names they do for those who are looking at this in a company, yeah. for Thai Union. Now, Thai Union is not a, a workers' union. It's a company. Mm-hmm. It's the biggest fishing processor in the world, 50,000 employees. Wow, okay. And so she was in the job about six weeks and then opened up the paper when she was in London. They're based in Bangkok and had Thai Union. It's got slavery through it all. And I said, what do you do when you're the person responsible for this on the front page of the New York Times? And she said, so... Yeah, a disaster. Well, she said, i got two choices. And she went back to the, the rest of the management and she's on the senior management she said look we've got two choices here we can we can say oh no it's all falsified we can play the games and say no it's not true at all we can deny it all uh, and we can do that mm. you know we, we can do that and and you'll have my resignation straight afterwards <laughs> or we can yeah. say it's here let's do something about it mm. and they're good good people it was started by three chinese migrants to to thailand and they mm. said we know what it's like to be a migrant we got migrant workers here we know what it's like mm. we don't want that to happen to them mm. and so they become absolute leaders on this and darren mcbain who's now on our board mm-hmm. <laughs> of be slavery free is the most award sustainability manager in the world mm-hmm. and got in ethical businesswoman of the year in 2019 mm. uh, and they did something about it and she learned how to change system just some really clever things Mm. like thai union pays for all the labor recruitment fees not the worker uh-huh. Okay, so, so you don't end up with that debt. You don't uh, end up yeah. with debt. It cancels that. And mm. they say, look, we still know it's there, and we're working on it. And that's our big thing. It's not that you are squeaky clean as a company. It's that you're working on it. Mm. And mm. we want to name them and say, good on you. Yeah. I actually remember a couple of years ago meeting Carolyn, your you know, mm. co-director and, and wife, and at, the, at that point she was singing the praises of, I think it was Cadbury, Mm. saying that Cadbury had changed their policy and that this was just ahead of Easter yep. and that their chocolate was now certified slave-free. I mean, that's you know that's a, a major company, a yep. very well-known company in Australia that took that positive step. Yep. They're not slave-free, but they are working on it. Okay. And they're owned by Mondelez. That's their mm. company overall. Yep. And, and so they've got a program called Coco Life and they're starting to do some good work on that because mm. they realise what we realised and we've been working with them a lot mm. in helping them this that it's about a culture change so it's not just bringing in uh, you know oh we've got to have laws for this it's like how when we're working on the ground in the cocoa farms in west africa do we help grow the community to support each other Mm. so that uh, slaves are not bought in and they're not using their children for labor Mm. there as well Mm. so it's a good innovative program look most of them have now got that nestle's have got it and mars have got it mars is a good leader they've discovered the genome for the cocoa plant Mm -hmm. and spent millions and millions finding that and then gave it away to everybody and said we've got to work on this together this is not just ads Mm. so we're starting to see some good things like that starting Mm -hmm. to happen Mm -hmm. lint is doing some really good stuff on the ground they have in in ghana where they source most of their cocoa from 368 workers on the ground they visit their farmers every year and check up how they're going Mm. and so this this is starting to happen now but 
it doesn't happen straight away. Mm-hmm. It took a long time to get into it. It takes a long time to get out of it. Yeah, yeah. But it's that mindset, that culture change of something wrong here. Mm. We've got to do something about this. How do we work together to do this? Mm. How do we work with consumers and business and government together to say, we don't want this. We can get rid of it. Let's do it. Yeah. So far, most of us aren't in senior management. Mm. Let's face it, most of us are employees, you know, of a small business, a large business, maybe a not-for-profit, maybe a government department. What can we do as individuals in terms of raising this issue, you know, with our managers, with with our bosses? And um, is is there a a polite way, again, you know, to, to, to ask a question? I mean, is it possible some bosses haven't even thought about this? Oh, yeah, Definitely. Yeah. I don't know how many people who say slavery in the world today. Really? Mm. <laughs> you know, we're working with one company and we often ask them, you know, what brought you to this point to want to do something about it? Mm. And they said, well, it was actually it was the foreman on the, on the, the loading dock mm-hmm. that got through to us about this. And it was a major bank, mm-hmm. big, big bank, one of our big fours, mm-hmm. and said he saw that the people that were bringing in truckloads of stuff of our supplies and our cleaning staff there was something just not quite right there, and mm-hmm. he found out about slavery and said, this looks like the wrong thing's happening here. And he pestered and he pestered and he pestered, and it kind of went up the chain, not down the chain, mm-hmm. it went up the chain, and awareness, and eventually, about two years later, they said, oh, uh, this is wrong, we need to do something about this. Mm-hmm. Well, they had all these chains underneath them, the decision makers, who'd already worked it out, and straight away they could click into it mm-hmm. because it was from the bottom up, mm-hmm. from the person working in the loading dock that could do that. But the other thing, if we're in small businesses or, or medium-sized businesses or we're working for companies mm. or we're not working, we're at home, it's gossiped around. You know, hey, have you heard of the slavery in the world? Mm. We, we work in tea, and the uh, most of the world's tea is grown in Assam in northeast India. Mm-hmm. Uh, on-the-ground partners, we always work with on-the-ground partners. On-the-ground partners, they say their guesstimation is up to a 1,000 children a day are trafficked out of the tea gardens wow. into slavery. Goodness. And it's not that it's happening necessarily, slavery is happening in the gardens. Mm-hmm. It's because they're kept in such poverty mm. that, they called labour agents come around oh it must be really difficult you know you're the poverty you're in oh yeah it is oh god what life for your children what future is there because they have seven or eight children mm-hmm. they go oh yeah we know is it well Look, I don't know. Don't have a self. We might better help you out. Your daughter there. We know a family down in 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 Mumbai that's looking for somebody to to work in their house and mm-hmm. they'd get an education while mm-hmm. they're doing that. Mm-hmm. And your son over there. Well, there's a family in Kolkata and their son has nobody to play with. They they would take him on as a playmate and you go to school with him and get educated as well. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you like that? And and look, I know it's going to be difficult, but we'll give you a hundred dollars to help you out because they're not going to be here. Well, mm-hmm. that's more money than they've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so they get tricked into this. This is how it so often happens. Mm. It's because of ignorance and it's because they don't understand what's going on. The more we gossip around over a cup of tea and mm. we have tea parties where on resources on our website, get together with friends, have a cup of tea, show the, the, the clips on the videos mm. and uh, talk about this, gossip it around that this is happening and, hey, we can do something about this mm. Mm. and – we can do something. We can really make that. That's where it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's not just when the CEOs and the politicians, the politicians generally lead by looking over their shoulder about who's following <laughs> and who wants the, yeah. whatever to happen. Yep. It's when us as people, as, as you know, 
everyday people start to say, hey, this is happening. We don't want it to happen. We want a better world. Mm, mm. And particularly coming out of the COVID situation at the moment, mm. we, the big talk is about we've got to bounce back. You know, it's mm. like, why bounce back when you can bounce forward? <laughs> let's, I like it. Let's start again. Let's yeah. start again. Well, what sort of world do we want? Mm. Well, let's start working to that because mm. we've got an opportunity of a new beginning, a new start with all of this. Mm. Let's get some of those things right. Now, look, just before we finish, Fuzz, I do want to deal with something that, you know, maybe for some of our listeners will think, oh, this is going to be super boring, but I think it's very relevant. Mm. And that's the legislation. I mean, you, you mentioned, I think, in New South Wales, Modern Slavery Act, you mentioned an Australian Act. I think there's some provisions in, in the w, some WA legislation. The UK sort of has let out with some Modern Slavery Acts. Well, what's the situation now with these sorts of laws? And I understand in New South Wales in particular, there's a bit of an issue that we have the law, it's not being impl- implemented. It was passed in June 2018. Paul Green from the Christian Democrats led it. Gladys Berejiklian led it through the, the mm. lower house. Paul was in the upper house. Mm. And it was one of those times where all the parties worked together on this. Mm. We think it was unanimous. There might have been one person that voted against, but that's never recorded when it's one person in the whole of Parliament. <laughs> so they passed it all. It was supposed to kick in in 2019. And, and, and what was the purpose of, of that act? For What was it supposed to do? What was it supposed to change? It is actually stronger than the Australian National, the, the Federal Modern Slavery Act. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a commissioner. It has penalties for people that don't do the right thing and put in accurate statements mm-hmm. about what they are doing. So they, is this like companies, government departments? Who, uh, who? Well, all of those. Mm-hmm. So government departments have got to put in everything that they purchase. Mm-hmm. They've got to check about where it's coming from, if there's slavery in the supply chain, etc. Right, right. So this is this is massive, mm. absolutely massive, because uh, next to the federal government, the New South Wales government is the biggest buyer in Australia. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but it also covers forced marriage, which is one of the things that comes under the Modern Slavery Act federally. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's a federal offence. Yeah. And so, and that's why we have a lot of in Australia forced marriages. Mm. And so it covers uh, compensation for people who've been caught in slavery. Mm-hmm. It's uh, got, it's actually the strongest act in the world. Mm. So they brought it in, but then they tossed it to an inquiry. Oh, we've got a federal one now. Or what does that mean? And then there's mm. always got to be a harmonization process. That's right. You, you, you wouldn't want overlaps or contradictions or. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But they could have done that with a few amendments. They tossed it to an inquiry. So, so sorry, how long ago was this? When was it actually passed? It was passed in June 2018. They started the inquiry okay. in 2019 in July when it was supposed to be brought in. Mm-hmm. They were at a report back. They reported back department in March 2020. Mm-hmm. When an inquiry comes back it's got to be responded to and in a set period of time that's the 25th of september mm-hmm. and they're saying we'll report on the 25th of september and so we've been pushing and so we had a big a virtual rally yesterday mm-hmm. because op- opposition parties particularly the labor party has been really pushing that we've got to get this going mm-hmm. and we've been trying to get the government to do this they've not been responding to us with 117 organizations academics and religious leaders sign a letter that says we've got to get on with this there's an urgency mm-hmm. and and here's why it's urgent every day our estimation is 25,200 new people are caught into slavery mm. every day mm. every day 
So since yeah. this has been passed up until now, that means about 18 million people have gone into slavery. Mm. So there's an urgency to get on with it. And we, we've been really pushing the, the, the government to say, look, it's a great act. We all said that. And yesterday we had this virtual rally because it's not safe to gather in the big numbers. And mm. we, we agree wholeheartedly with that. Mm. So we had it on, on a webinar type on uh, Zoom and we had speakers from uh, religious leaders to uh, investment groups to mm. uh, a barrister who's a descendant from one of the big, one of the, the, the Wallace, the, one of the great abolitionists in the UK oh, yeah. and saying, we've got to have it happen. And so we've been really pushing them to get on with it and do it. Have, have you got a sense of what the delay is about? Is it, I mean, is it possible that th- there was sort of a, a rush of blood to the head and everyone said, wow, this is fantastic. Why would we want slavery? There was this sort of idealistic moment. And now that they're looking at the implications, suddenly they're realising what they've got themselves in for. Wow, this is actually a, yep. a, a burden of bureaucracy in terms of checking and accountability. And is it possible that it's not realistic? Or is anyone behind the, the delaying tactics? Or have you got to the bottom of any of that? We haven't got to the bottom of it, but they are suspect. And, and just stories that we're being told is that a lot of businesses are saying, we don't need another thing like this. Mm. Is bad for business going to be another cost, etc.? What they don't realise, this is good for business. Mm-hmm. Because if companies are doing the right thing and there's not slavery there and others do have slavery, they're getting goods cheaper. They have got a competitive advantage because they've been doing the wrong thing of using slavery. Mm-hmm. Now, business does not work well when you have an unreality like that. Mm-hmm. And so long term, it's going to be bad for business. But also, it's the share price and it's the consumer confidence. Mm-hmm. And we're saying, look, you know, if that's the reason, well, that's not a reason. And mm-hmm. do you want to say, yeah, we want cheaper goods? Oh, yeah, if slavery is going to give us cheaper goods, well, okay, we'll put up with that. Mm. I don't think so. And the Premier said in her speech, yeah. which was a brilliant speech when she pushed it through Parliament, she presented it, we've got a moral imperative to do this. Mm. And we think mm. she's still right on that. And so what we're saying now is, you know, get on with it. And amazing, the innovation. Whenever we bought things in like this for a start, there's been this, oh, no, we can't do this. Mm. To, oh, we can't, oh, we can do that. Oh, okay, we can't, oh, that and that. And, mm. get, okay, we can do some. Oh, we can do more. Oh, yeah, that's the way we do business. Mm, mm. And so it's it's pushing those barriers and those imaginations and people saying, oh, but with COVID, you know, well, the amount of people even have died in COVID pales into insignificant to the people who've died in slavery. Wow. Yeah, that's a perspective-inducing <laughs> reality. That's the perspective we have. That's yeah, the reality. Yeah. Let's work in reality. The only way we're going to have a better world, the only way we're going to have better businesses is when we work in reality. Mm-hmm. And it's a level playing field for businesses when these mm. things come in and everybody's got to be doing that. So it gives those who want to do the right thing a, a fair go. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I actually sent an email to my um, state MP, you know, the other day about this issue saying, you know, what's going on? What's the delay? And I guess, you know, that's something that that all of us can do as we see, you know, this issue emerging in our area. I mean, look, not all of our listeners are in New South Wales, of course, but I guess it it pays to sort of stay informed, doesn't it? To, to keep aware of what's going on, to, really to have your say to your local MP or, or federal MP, as yep. the case may be, depending on you know, what the issue is. Do, do you get the sense that MPs do respond when they hear this uh, sort of groundswell of concern from, from their communities? You bet they do, because it means votes, and that's their, that's their currency. <laughs> yeah. The thing that we, we are 
puzzled by is that so many of our campaigners and our partners and people we work with have have done exactly that mm. to their MPs and no one's actually got a response from a Liberal Party person. This is this is what really mystifies us. Because Gladys Berejiklian, of course, who, who made this great speech, is a Liberal Premier. Exactly. Yeah. And and all the others, you know, uh, even some of the minor parties, uh, the, the hunters, fishers and farmers are mm. right behind this. Mm. Uh, Mark Latham is right behind this. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to work out what's going on here because mm. this just doesn't compute, it just doesn't seem right. Yeah, well, what, what's the delay? What what lobbying is happening behind the scenes? Yeah, you, you do have to wonder. Yeah, look, we, we probably won't solve all, all the mysteries um, here and now, Fuzz, but you've certainly given us some... You've certainly given us some great pointers when it comes to, you know, the power of polite questions, the power of persistent polite questions in, in some cases. Yeah, so thanks so much for, for the education you've given us today and, and those insights. And certainly, I guess, a particular insight that in the end, this can be an issue of the soul, you know, not simply an issue of, you know, economics and trade and, you know, what the cheapest product is on the shelf. Well, there's a spirituality to all of that. Mm. And uh, the spirituality is, you know, we work together. And mm. when we work together as good societies and good communities, my gosh, everybody wins mm. in this. Mm. And we become a better place and we become better people. And, uh, and you get perspective. Mm. The, the, the whole thing of the meaning of life and the purpose of life suddenly comes alive. And as I was saying before, the whole thing about when you're doing good, it takes you back to think about the deeper things mm. that are the things that bring the satisfaction. Mm. Often mm. we chase after things which don't really satisfy. Mm-hmm. They're a quick hit, but yep. they don't last. Mm. But but doing good and connecting with where, with where good comes from is the thing that takes you through forever. I guess you can't get any longer term than that, can you? <laughs> it's, a, it's a real long-term investment. Hey, thanks so much, Fuzz. Really appreciate you coming into uh, Science of the Times Radio today. It's been great to be with you. Thank you. Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Science of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit scienceofthetimes.org.au. Signs of the Times has been published in Australia since 1886 and is proudly produced by Adventist Media.